Hello and welcome to Culture, Sex, Relationships. Uh, we This is a podcast, lots of different kinds of podcasts. Um, and this one is going to be like kind of like a review show of Bridgerton, um, which is a very popular, sadly, TV show on Netflix at the moment. I'm delighted to be joined by a very good friend of mine, Sarah. Sarah, hello. Hello. Welcome to welcome welcome to Culture Sex Relationships. Um, Sarah is the person who is responsible for me watching this goddamn show um, because she texted me to say, "Oh my god, are you watching Bridgerton? I think you should definitely watch it." I was like, "Oh, okay. This looks like something I should be watching." She neglected to inform me that it was really boring <laughs> um, and that there would definitely be some bits where I'd have to take to Twitter and get very angry and post screenshots um, when we get to the sex scenes which is what I duly did so well done Sarah. Thanks the main reason I got to I think it was episode five I said oh no out loud and then I texted you. Yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, so if there will be spoilers in this, uh, dear listener. Uh, so you'll probably know what we're talking about in episode five, six, seven. Also, there's barely any sex until later on. It's like everyone is talking about how horny and raunchy this show is. It's like there's not very much in it until like the later episodes when all there is is sex, it seems to me. Anyway, um, well, there's a bit in the first episode, isn't there, in the first few shots. But anyway, so there will be spoilers. So if you want to fully appreciate this episode and to watch Bridgerton, um, then go and do that now and listen to a different podcast uh, and listen to this after. Um, I didn't like it, but you know a lot of people really love it. It's incredibly popular, apparently. Um, over 63 million people have watched it, according to Netflix, although they count anyone who's just watched it for a couple of minutes as uh, having watched it. Um, Apparently, it's the fifth most popular Netflix original of all time. Uh, just to give you a bit of background about the show, I'm going to read some of the bits from Wikipedia so you know that this is thoroughly researched. So, Bridgeton is an American streaming period drama uh, created by Chris Van Dusen, 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 Dusen and produced by uh, Shonda Rhimes based on Julia Quinn's novel set in the competitive world of Regency London's high society's ton during the season when debutantes are presented at court. So it's very posh. It's all about posh people, isn't it? Um, there's one scene where we see some poor people and they're standing around a puddle. Yeah, and there's another scene where we meet some villagers and they are all obsessed with pigs. And That's right, yeah. So, pigs and puddles. Uh, it's what. Um, it's what the, and uh, as ever, if you're watching these historical dramas and you're thinking that you're going to be one of the main characters, you're not. You're going to be one of the people standing around a puddle. You and I, Sarah, will stand around a puddle. Yeah, and I feel like all the people, if the if the eight episodes had been about those people and their lives, it might actually have been more interesting. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so I was confused when I first started watching the show because I thought that it was going to be like a kind of a, a fantasy, like set in the Regency period. So Regency period is the uh, during the reign of George III when there was a Prince Regent, although there is no Prince Regent in the show, which is confusing. Yeah, I think that... So the Regency period is... 
1811 to 1820, but、mm-hmm. we also get a lot of period dramas、uh, produced now. They all just kind of have that Regency period vibe,、uh, yeah. mostly because I think they're just aping that sort of mid 90s Jane Austen production. Yeah.、Um, so that's but there, I think there were things about this that I enjoyed. I thought、mm-hmm. that the very very opulent scenes were very good.、Mm-hmm. I um, the the kind of the drama, uh, I I really enjoyed the sort of sense of longing that you got between the different characters.、Mm-hmm. There were a bunch of different um romance tropes that came up that I think. Uh, that I would hate this show to be disparaged for.、And、a really popular romance trope is the fake relationship one, and it's actually one of my all-time favorite romance tropes because it、mm-hmm. it gets these two people,、uh, and it that are attracted to each other, and you know by the end of this, you know that they're going to fall in love,、right. and they are. And and it puts them in that position where they have to fake to be in a the fake that they are in a relationship, and what in that process they fall in love,、uh, which is quite nice to read about and follow. It creates this really nice tension between what they are pretending to feel and what they are actually feeling. So it's.、Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I think that's to me that's one of my favourite romance tropes.、Uh, so, does this kind of thing happen a lot then? So,、um, you are a devotee of romance novels. Yes.、Um, so, this is、uh, partly why we're having. Well, we're having this. We're, having, we're doing this podcast for two reasons: one, as parents for you making watch the show, and two, because.、Um, You read a lot of romance novels, and、uh, you have like a book club, don't you, for romance novels and things? And、um, so you know a lot about this. Yeah,、um, I read a lot of romance because it is one of like it is a very very、um, exciting genre of literature, and I actually think Justin that you would really like it.、Uh, mm. A romance novel, <laughs> they often get very disparaged as、uh, people like accusing it of the, the genre as a whole of just being. You know, Bodies Ripper and like the like eighties Milson Boone with you know Fabio on the cover and you know there's nothing wrong with that. There are some things wrong with that, but um, <laughs> there's some of them have some questionable consent issues. But that's that those are issues that has been worked through and contemporary romance just doesn't def- deserve to be tarnished with that brush. But romance novels has. The kind of definition of them is that they has two things. One is that it has to focus on a relationship. Traditionally, that has been a heterosexual relationship,、um, mm-hmm. but that's no longer the case.、Um, a heterosexual romantic relationship, I should say. But there is、mm-hmm. now a lot of different、um, types of romance novels focusing on different types of relationship, and and not all of them are sexual. And、mm-hmm. the other key component is that it has to end in a It has to have a happy ending, and that could be a,、mm-hmm. a happily ever after, or it can be a happy for now. But it has to be. So those are the two things. So you kind of you start reading a novel,、uh, and the main thing is that you have to figure. You start and you have to figure out who are the two people that are going to get together, and that's.、Yeah. And then you know how it's going to end, but it's about the journey getting there. Right.、Um, so it's like Columbo. Yeah. Isn't it? Exactly. Yeah.、Uh, or any detective.、Uh, 
novel that you've ever read. Like it all it always yeah. ends with like you find out who the murderer is. You don't. Yeah. Um. So so that's the the kind of background to this. So within this context, you have all of the Regency romance um, that are quite a lot of them are, are quite like this, where it's about, you know, who is going to get married to a duke. Um, mm. And and that's what we see here. But you also have some, I think, a lot better and more interesting ones where it's... Um, where the tension is about the person's relationship with not just the their love interest but also with their so, social status and mm-hmm. their position within this very stratified um, culture and society. So how do you kind of deal with that um, mm-hmm. while also being in love? Yeah. Um, and and within all of this, there is always all these different types of tropes, and the secret relationship is one of them. Or you have the big misunderstanding where mm-hmm. two people have, you know, they're very much in love, but there has been a mi- big misunderstanding. It has to be resolved, and how will it get resolved? Mm-hmm. And so um, we don't want to. So a lot of so you were saying to me earlier that a lot of these tropes and so and romance novels and romance stories generally are are kind of used against uh their fans and, and used against women who are, are majority readers of these uh of these stories and uh, viewers of these shows um to imply that because they are fans of these and they watch these that this is how they want their lives to be this is how they conduct their relationships and that they're that they are simply passive sponges absorbing all of this and then want this in their real lives. Yeah, if I had um, done any re- any preparation for this, I would have brought out a bunch of headlines uh, saying exactly that. And because every couple yeah. of years there is an article uh, where someone is saying, oh, the, it's terrible, romance novels are ruining relationships, are ruining women, um, means that women and girls can't have relationships they don't know how to consent to sex they all of these things and it's um and and it's criticism that you would never level against any other genre uh, of of literature you would never say that because men read a lot of tom clancy they um you know, know how they don't. They will just drive building cars into buildings willy nilly without uh, any like concern for other people's road safety. Like, yeah. it there is there's something applied about the kind of agency that we afford to women uh, who read romance novels that can't tell um, fantasy from fiction from real life. We do really get that in with uh, porn and young people, particularly young men. Um, that's still so like a um, a, a, a kind of like this. It's perceived. To, it's it's like a common sense idea that of course, if you're if a young man is going to spend all day watching Pornhub, then that's what he's going to learn from sex, and that's what he's going to do. And it's the that's just not how anyone um, engages with media. We all engage with media critically, and we bring to any media that we're watching. Uh, we bring to it our own values, our own experiences, our own um, sense of relationships, uh, as well as being able to enjoy things as a fantasy um, and to, to to be able to enjoy a story. Yeah, and I think that there is a um, 
an increased uh, worry about romance novels and women because it's often these books are um, depict and describe sex and mm. uh, these are things that make like patriarchal society worried is that women are engaging in sex or reading about sex or thinking about sex then mm. that is something that has to be controlled or policed in some way mm. yeah um so uh, I'll just go back to just briefly describing a couple more things about the show. So it is set in this. It is, it is really beautiful. Like it is really opulent. And when I first saw the show, the big kind of sweep. Apparently, it was kind of um, it's uh, classical music, but playing pop music. And because I don't, I don't know pop music. I don't, I don't realise. But it's like big sweeping kind of uh, lots of strings. Um, uh, kind of like uh, classical music from like the the baroque period kind of thing huge like really beautiful sets beautiful costumes and um and also one of the first things that we see is that we have uh, a queen who is black and she looks absolutely incredible like outfits the hair every time she appears on screen her look is entirely different but but equally kind of glamorous and opulent so when I was first watching it, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be like a, this is this is kind of set in. There are there are kind of um, tones here which suggest that this is set in the Regency period, but it is um, going to be a fantasy world where um, we are seeing uh, lots of uh, people of color. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that not to be the case, and so there's been a lot of criticism around this, around race. So the the kind of internal logic of the, of the show didn't really hold up, did it? So um, yeah, I think the the books are very white. I from yeah. what I've read about them, and another mm-hmm. thing that I was planning to do in preparation for this was to actually read um, this book, but I didn't. Um, but what I've read about them is that they're incredibly white. Uh, there is no diversity in the sort of cast of characters. Mm-hmm. And before, uh, I'm sure none of your viewers would ever think this, but uh, often what we hear is that in Regency England, there would be no uh, people of colour. So that would actually be historically accurate. But that's definitely not the case. There were uh, mm-hmm. lots of, like London at this time period was, very, quite diverse that might not be the case for you know your vicomts and dukes and what have you but it's mm-hmm. definitely it's a diverse city and and if we had been thinking about this as you know lots of people not just the very very richest then that's a portrayal that we would get and also there are romans there are regency romance novels that deal with the diversity of places like London. So mm-hmm. um, it's not that this is an unfair criticism of this particular, of the source mm-hmm. material. It's, um, it, it's just, a, it's just not very, it's not just not a very good portrayal. Yeah, there've been, yeah. So there've been lots of criticisms, lots of really interesting uh, uh, criticisms um, about its handling of race and about casting 
and also about colorism um, and which people of color get cast in which roles. And um, but we're, so I'll link to those in the show notes because it's really interesting to talk about. Uh, somebody I follow on Twitter uh, who I had a brief chat with about this as well uh, called Aisha Small says some really interesting stuff about this. So I'll link to that Twitter thread as well. Um, so, but we are going to focus on the, the sex and relationship side aspects of things next. So should we talk about some, some of the kind of basic plot points? So the, the whole idea of, the, of um, debutantes uh, going to balls to be picked up by... So debutantes are young women. What are they, like 20, 21, were you saying? Yeah. Sarah, you think? And they're kind of being bred to be kind of married off into different families... By, uh, there are a couple of families at the centre of this uh, Bridgerton family and the I want to say the Featherston family but it's not it is it I, uh, uh, there's another family uh, I've forgotten their surnames I'm really well prepared for this um, and so debutantes are young women being prepared to be married off so there's an element to which this is like an arranged marriage isn't it and so um, and so uh, there is the the only agency women have in this in this is to hope that um, they will have a choice of more than one suitor, so a choice of more than one bloke from a wealthy enough family who can um, who uh, can propose to one of these women. Their only hope is that they can, out of the two or three choices that they may get, if they're lucky, that they might actually fancy someone or might actually think that they're quite nice. Um, yeah, there's a lot of talk in the show about uh, marrying for love and having... There are two... There's kind of two competing concepts. So one is that you um, make um, a good match and that's that you marry someone of equal or higher social standing and that you mm-hmm. marry for love. Uh, yeah. And that's the kind of tension that's played out. And, and lucky, luckily for, for Daphne, she manages to do both of those things. Do we have to do we have to explain the whole plot point about the fake relationship? I mean, I guess that's so they get into like a so the Duke, Simon, who is this incredibly buff Duke, uh, who is um, black. One of the things that I get from everyone who's watched this is that basically everyone fancies this guy, it's incredibly good looking, takes his shirt off quite a lot, which I think is quite helpful. Yeah, I mean that definitely um, saved a lot of this show. Um, yeah. He is, I think, the best way to describe him is probably that he's the most eligible bachelor. As soon as he turns up uh, in the ton, he is gets dragged along to all these balls and all of the enterprising young ladies who are not married and their mothers who wants to marry them off are trying to set him up with mm-hmm. um, with their daughters or, you know, it's, it's, it's imperative that he gets married as soon as possible. Uh, on the other side, it's Daphne who's getting, who's introduced to society, which means that she gets introduced to the Queen. Uh, she mm-hmm. makes a very, very good impression on her, and the Queen mm-hmm. calls her, I think she calls her exquisite or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets written about, and then um, she goes to a lot of balls and gets some suitors and all of this. I think, if I remember correctly, it's because her brother is too overprotective, so she's so then people yeah. start not being interested in her anymore and she's getting less and less suitors. So, mm-hmm. to resolve this problem, there are two different problems, that she is not getting any suitors, he is inundated with women. They decide to fake uh, date 
not date, obviously, but they're going out and they are. He's quoting her. She's very receptive mm-hmm. to it, and the the deceit, the central deceit, uh, is supposed to fuel other men's desire for her, mm-hmm. and give him some reprieve from all of these uh, predatory women. Um, yeah, presumably the 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 the. Uh, it fuels the men's the other men's desire in her because they I don't know is it because they want something that they can't have uh, or? yeah I mean it, it, I think the idea is that if a duke the most eligible of dukes is interested in her then that means mm. that they should all also be interested in her right um, right 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 it doesn't say great things about like men's agency or women's agency or anything like that um, no no, there's quite a lot of um, quite a lot of that <laughs> in the show. Um, but as this happens, th- uh, this happens around the same time that she is basically married off to the one guy at, who, at that moment, before all uh, all the men in the term, which is the term for the hateful term for um, this the clique of aristocrats and various other posh folk in this whole thing. Anyway, that's what we're. <laughs> When we say the term, that's what we mean. Um, uh, so there is one guy that she's being married off to who is um, an unpleasant man who also happens to be physically less attractive than everyone else, right? Which is something else that happens in the show. Bad people are not good looking um, in, is, a, is a trope that kind of comes up yeah, um, there is in a, a lot, lot of these shows. There's a lot of sort of low-key eugenics where like all the people who are not trustworthy have like... Weasley faces, or you yeah. know, they they don't know how to dress um, for their skin tones, and um, yeah, it's a unfortunate. Yeah, and he uh, at some point uh, tries to attack uh, Daphne and insists that she marries him because her elder brother promised that she could marry him, and then this handsome duke steps in and makes this, and they make this uh, arrangement. Uh, to be fair, about. she punches. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, she does. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the so the the horrid man tries to like forcefully marry her, and then she punches him in the face in the garden. Yes. Uh, apparently, being in the garden with a man is really problematic, isn't it? Like, do you, yeah, it's because can, being can you explain any of this? being on your own, being without a chaperone, is mm. potentially incredibly scandalous. So, um. So she is. So he. So the the bad guy follows her into the garden, and uh, mm-hmm. tries to force himself on her. She punches him. The duke duke um, turns up the moments after, uh, but mm-hmm. of course someone has spotted that the two of them have been in the garden on their own, unchaperoned. So this is about pure. So this is about purity, isn't it? So um, women must be observed and watched at all times to make sure that uh, that they are in inverted commas, pure, that they haven't had sex with anyone else. Is this to do with, like, primogeniture, the whole idea that... Um, yeah. yeah, so it's the idea that women... That the only way that you can assure that the offspring that you produce is from the man that you're married to is that unmarried women... Well, women in general, but especially unmarried women, are un- are accompanied at all times so that they haven't been, quote-unquote, spoiled or ruined... Mm-hmm. Um, this is, and I think you know, 
I don't know too much about like eight, like the Regency period, but but I don't think that this is an, an incredibly um un like I, I think this is, is a quite a good depiction of what would actually happen that women would be accompanied young women would be accompanied by their when they were out alone with their suitors. Well, I th- what I think is especially kind of galling in this is that um, the within the logic of the show itself, this is shown to be justified because the um, the unfortunate neighbour who has the cousin from the country um, who has who turns up who is pregnant at the beginning of the show uh, and desperate to land herself a man so that she will not um, have to suffer this um, indignity of being an unwed mother, which, mm-hmm. you know, would be a disaster for a woman of her standing uh, at mm-hmm. this time period. Yeah. But then what we see is not her, is her actively trying to trap a man. And mm. um, it's the conceit, the show itself supports this view that women uh, should not and could not like this is how women will behave and I find that quite sad yeah I mean it's basically that women get such limited amounts of agency in the system that rather than kind of questioning the system like the ton and all the shame that the rules and the shame which um which enforces the rules and makes sure that people obey the rules because shame is the uh, the worst possible thing and actually shame and wanting to avoid shame is one of the key motivating factors for a lot of the relationships if not all of the relationships in the show um, that, so rather than kind of questioning the system and everyone kind of you know uh, conspiring in, in solidarity to uh, to question these norms everyone has to adhere to the norms in the only way that people and certainly women in the show in this period maybe um, can have any agency, any decision-making power, any clout of their own um, in terms of their relationships and their lives generally is to kind of trick other people. And it's like, and it is portraying women as kind of, um, yeah, like deceitful and, and lots of, you know, the kind of unpleasant sexist tropes that, that we still get to this day. It's that this is one of the things that we'll kind of come to when we talk about the sex stuff. Is that you know how much of this is um, this has changed? I mean, even if we're even if we're looking at this and saying you know that this might be quite accurate for the recency period, you know the the the, the sex certainly the sex and relationship stuff might be quite accurate. Uh, where where the race stuff might not be so accurate, but I, I think how much of this is also about what's going on today as well? Yeah, but I think the thing is saying that something is accurate in the Regency period doesn't give us... It's it's a show that's made today. Yeah. Um, it's a show that's made for modern audiences. There is no yeah. reason to portray all women who don't belong to the kind of core family who are the heroes in, the, in, in this show as these conniving, yeah. scheming um, people that are just trying to trap men or who... I am not interested in true love uh, for the for the reasons that our pure heroes are. Definitely, and you know, as committed leftists, Sarah, we would say that you know what the show could be doing if it really wanted to be to be quite radical is to say is for all of for all of the characters to say, well, this is all just bullshit, isn't it? Everything we're doing here is all bullshit. This is terrible. What we're doing here. 
Yeah, well, like, but you don't. If if there could just be any sort of criticism of the fact that, you know, Simon is a landlord, and that he is, you know, a duke who owns the that who has these tenants. Like it's that's yeah. just um, to me that's a much bigger conflict than the stuff about like his like the relationship with his servants with his tenants the people that are living off of his land you know there's a throwaway comment that like apparently his the stewards that have been taking care of the estate has tripled the rents yeah yeah and uh, Daphne says oh yes we'll look into that (laughs) like that's a huge that's a huge imagine your rent is tripled yeah, yeah. I wish that some of these shows would, 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 would question any of the kind of received norms that we have nowadays. But really, it is kind of the, this kind of the tone and the the relationship and sexual mores that are being portrayed here are basically like a kind of a, they are a symbol for still what's going on now. In the same way that, um, in the same way that. Uh, capital and landholding is uh is still going on now as, as it's depicted in the show and yeah there's no sense of being able to criticize either of those things um either with inside the show or we're not even being invited as viewers to critique these kinds of things we're just meant to kind of accept them which is like what hegemony is isn't it you know we're just meant to accept these as being these are just realisms that we'll have to deal with you know the patriarchy is a that society benefits men and particularly fathers is something that we'll just have to accept. So, you know, let's accept this. And so women just, the only way for women to get any agency is through being devious, uh, which is unpleasant and wrong. Or um, the other way that women can get agency is by being extraordinarily beautiful yeah. and uh, by being loved by by a man. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people who claim the show to be feminist I, I i don't i don't get it uh i really don't see that there's anything terribly feminist in the show um is there anything we want to anything more we want to talk about in, in terms of relate i mean there's so much going on <laughs> in relationships but <laughs> i think one of the because we are going to get into the sex at some point including non-consensual stuff which i'll flag up before we get to it yeah i mean obviously um i think there is um in the scene where there's a duel between Daphne's older brother and mm-hmm. her and the Duke. And it's this kind of culmination of um, misunderstandings uh, and, and conflict deriving from, you know, her supposed, supposed violation of her purity. And what happens essentially is that her brother... Like, Daphne is kissing the Duke and her brother stumbles onto the scene and uh, challenges him to a duel uh, because of this violation of her mores and uh, yeah. violation because of Because then kissing could have got her pregnant. Yeah, but, you know, she could have been ruined by this whole thing. And yeah. I think what... I, th- I think to some extent that um, he... That scene and the, the way that plays out... There is something about both of them uh, acting 
being willing to to die essentially to break the law mm. and planning these great you know if i die during this event i will have to f- flee the country there is really grand gestures and they're both being done uh for for them to demonstrate their love to her yeah and um and i kind of understand that that longing to be so you know if if i if i'm thinking of putting myself um in Daphne's or in in her like position that there is something quite nice to think that you are so um loved or so mm-hmm. desired or so cherished by your family that these are choices that people would make for you yeah yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it. We're, we've been saying that Daphne has little agency, that she is basically um, a vassal and that you know, people are arranging for her to marry someone else and to marry into an inverted commas good family with someone that she may or may not find physically attractive, but that's less important and that she will um, uh, breed for them, basically. So whilst we're saying that she has no agency, also two men are willing to either die or have to flee the country in order to protect her honour. But that's, isn't that, um, so that's, as it is about her, but it's also about them protecting patriarchy, isn't it? Oh, it's, yeah, it's about... She's a symbol for that. It's about her being desired and loved and cherished in a very narrow set of confines that she can, because she then interrupts this duel in a very dramatic way and then uh, to stop the duel she uh, her and the duke will get married so that they cannot um uh, so that they don't have to go through with this so she is you know put in a really terrible position but the whole the whole conceit of that i kind of i have a lot of understanding for the the sort of longing i feel like that's driving that scene yeah yeah okay so and within like romance literature this is this this is the thing that that kind of comes up i suppose well i think what comes up is the the kind of so they get married with the understanding that in in the very central to their um agreement to get married is a misunderstanding where he says i can't have children and uh, what he means is i don't want to have children for these not very complicated um reasons um about how he doesn't want to pass on the familial name due to his father being terrible. Um, and he and she hears, I can't have children, and assumes that this is something to do with um, him not being able to produce children. So this is the whole crux of the rest of the of the rest of the drama. And somebody said this is about whether this is about this is a period drama about nutting, as somebody said. <laughs> a lot of this is about ejaculation. It really is funny to me that uh, such a huge amount of money has been spent on on this lavish Netflix drama, and really, it's all about <laughs> ejaculating. It's very, very strange to me. So. <laughs> but before we get on to that so there's a little bit of um 
there is there is other sex in the show. It's all penis and vagina sex with uh, with lots of other characters. But there's a very interesting part in the show when um, Daphne and Simon are friends at this point before a marriage proposal, before the duel, and before a marriage proposal. And it's clear that Daphne's kind of horny and having horny. Th- she's intimating she's having horny thoughts towards Simon. Simon's intimated that he's having horny thoughts to Daphne, but he's got the secret code. He's got the he's got the cheat codes, which is well, you know, when I do get horny, I just knock one out basically. And she's like, "What the fuck? I don't know what that is." Well, and he's saying, "Yeah, it's okay for you to do this too." Yeah, he's saying when you're alone, you're on your own, you can touch yourself. And she's so yeah. outraged by this that she drops her rose. Yeah, yeah. And this is so I don't. <laughs> I don't believe for a second that real women in the Regency didn't wank. Yeah. Like, and, and, but the thing is, even if that is the, the, even if that were true, I think it would, I think that her, like an honest reaction from uh, a woman who are told this really incredibly indecent and, and terrible thing. Let's remember that at this point, you know, well, no, it's later in the show. Like her, her brother is going to be willing to die uh, to protect her honor because she's been kissed. Mm-hmm. This guy is yep. telling her about masturbation and her. There's something that she has never even thought about before, and uh, she is rather than you know being shocked and outraged, and uh, she just goes and tries it on her own. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess what she's doing there is like, um, I suppose what she's doing is kind of uh, a, a together apart kind of sexuality. You know, a lot of people, you know, uh, have sexual relationships with people they don't live with, um, for, and particularly a lot of people at the moment during the pandemic. I guess what she's doing, it's serving as like a, when she's, so we see the rose in the foreground when she's masturbating for the first time, and so and because that rose was he gave her that rose, the the thoughts that she associated with, with the rose and with him was kind of like her having sex with him as much as and so it's kind of like it was meant to be like the first formings of her yeah. sexual feelings towards him, wasn't it? Uh, rather than just solo sex, which it also was. Yeah, but I think that is so. When I've seen people say that there is something very feminist about this show, they talk about this uh, moment of like masturbation as being the thing that um, is like a a, a feminist thing. Mm. But what it actually does is this entire scene, this scene frames her entire sexual being as being in relationship to him. Yeah. The other reason why I think that this isn't... um... <laughs> is why this why I don't think this is terribly feminist is that the the masturbation is then used later on when they come to have sex it's basically like replacement foreplay so when so they come to have sex and uh, they're married and they're having sex before they have sex he's saying i he's basically saying to her you know, can you just masturbate yourself for a bit? He's he kind of, you know, they're all speaking this very flowery kind of weird English. It's very, there, there are no, there are no um, apostrophes uh, in this show whatsoever. Uh, it is, it, it is not, or I am so, or, you know, it's all that kind of stupid kind of uh, 
syntax. Uh, God, I hate this show. Anyway, so before they start having sex, he's basically saying, look, will you, you know, just touch yourself for a bit? And then, and then we'll, you know, have the real sex. And so, what she, what masturbation is doing here is doing what a lot of, in my view, bad sex educators do is to only frame masturbation in terms of it is the ideal thing for you to do to learn how your body works and to prepare you for the real thing. And that's kind of, I think, what is going on here. Um, the, this whole idea that. Um, all you have to do is to learn to touch yourself. This is not real sex. When we finally get to the real sex, you'll be more prepared for what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think it's telling us as well, like us as we as viewers of this show, that he is so uh, masculine and virile that he can um, engender these kind of feelings and emotions in someone while not even being there. Yeah, yeah. There was one bit which I thought was quite. I guess this might be feminist where. We see her looking at him, so we are look. So there is like a, a female gaze where he takes his trousers off for the first time, I think, and she kind of looks at him. And the way that she kind of looks at him up and down, um, I thought was quite good. I thought that was kind of um, genuinely like one of the few horny moments in the show, I think, as well, where there was kind of like a spark of something. Yeah, I mean, I think there is. Um, she is definitely an equal participant in the sex they're having it's not just that he does sex to her there was one bit where he is doing sex to her where uh where it comes to the first time when they have intercourse uh and i posted about this on twitter and just before so she masturbates herself before beforehand i don't know to to start off vasocongestion to for the vagina to start lubricating, I guess. I guess that's what he's thinking. You know, Simon is a sex educator. You know, this is, you know, everyone's a sex educator now, Sarah. And um, in a creepy way. So he's, he's sex educating the person he's about to have sex with. Anyway, so um, uh, so he basically gets on top of her, straddles her. He's, before he puts his penis inside her, he says, this might hurt a bit. This is the Something. time when I watched it. This is when I texted you. Right. Yeah, and I was like, no, and that's when I started taking pictures and got angry on Twitter. Um, again, there is no... If they, if they, as you were saying before, if they are doing, like, uh, um, historical accuracy, then, like, I guess there is this kind of, like, well, women aren't meant to enjoy it. Well, women probably wouldn't be having conversations with men about masturbation in the first place, but the idea for that women might enjoy sex or at least experience sex not to be painful might be uh, quite radical then. I mean, I don't know, probably probably not. But nowadays, it really shouldn't be radical um, to aim for a first-time sexual experience to be pleasurable, not this might hurt a bit. It turns out that a sex was pleasurable and that it didn't hurt, but for him to say... This might hurt implies that first time sex is always painful, which it isn't and it shouldn't be. Yeah, and it also undermines his um, status as this very experienced sexual figure. Because if he has had, like, also there is a massive age difference between them, which I I don't really mind. uh, But he is in his 30s at least, and she is, you know, early 20s. Yeah. And, you know, he has had about. I'm assuming about 20 years of boning at this point. Uh, if yeah. he can't make the first time they have, um, you know, penis and vagina sex pleasurable for her, then what the fuck has he been doing for all this time? Yeah, exactly. 
And so, and, and so I thought that when he was teaching her about wanking, I thought, right, this is going to be a show about non-intercourse. This is going to be a show about non-genital sex. Or certainly it's going to be a show which, which doesn't talk about penis and vagina sex as, being, as just being sex. It's not, you know, it's, uh, if you've heard me on podcasts and read anything I've written at my website, I'm basically talking about it all the time. Yeah, I really hate it. Um, just the statistics here, just again, like 50% of women report the first time being painful. Uh, one in 10 women then report having, young women report ha- regularly experiencing painful sex. And this is all because of the penis and, vi- penis and vagina imperative that we say there is only one form of sex that you might enjoy if you're one of the lucky people who tends to enjoy penis and vagina sex. It's thought that around 30% of uh, people with vaginas can experience orgasms from uh, just penis and vagina sex, but most women re- need other kinds of um, sexual stimulation to enjoy sex, which means that the answer to all of this should be that if we that we should see sex as being lots and lots of different things, expand our erotic imaginations and that all of those things are equally valid and we should be and we shouldn't be creating hierarchies of some things being more sex and in inverted commas than others. And I thought, when he's talking about masturbation, right, so he doesn't want to get anyone pregnant because he doesn't want to carry on the um, the Hastings, like the Duke of Hastings line. So they're gonna be there's gonna be dry humping, there's gonna be oral there's going to be um, watching. There's going to be, you know, fantasy. There's going to be clothes on, humping. There's going to be intercrural sex. Uh, there's going to be sending each other sexy notes. Uh, there's going to be uh, other forms of non-reproductive sex. No, there's a bit of wanking and then straight into the reproductive sex. Until a very crucial thing happens. <laughs> And this is the first time where they have sex. And it's clear because he uh, he basically rolls onto the bed as if he is being as if he is falling out of a moving car, as if he is throwing himself from a moving car in a cop show or something. He is not ejaculating inside her vagina, which is the worst possible thing that you can do because when you're having that penis and vagina sex, Sarah, you got to make sure that the ejaculate is right inside the vagina, not outside the vagina. It's bad. It's verboten. It's no. <laughs> yeah. There is even a scene. So th- throughout, I feel like they have, it's been praised for being a show where they have a lot of sex, but they have a lot of, not only the te- same, same type of sex, it's also always with the same sort of frantic energy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's never doing different things or working at different paces or just... just it's, it's very... Uh, like, it's always, like, running through a storm into some abandoned, like... Um, garden house and then boning really manically on um like against a pillar somewhere i hope you've enjoyed this discussion so far if you want to hear the whole discussion where we rant some more about sex and talk about consent some more then head over to our patreon patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships where you can hear the whole show and also hear the extended discussions of all the shows that we do so far You'll also be supporting the show and helping me to make more shows like this. So thank you very much.